Welcome to Business Unplanned, a business podcast from Bebo. I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is part one of a four-part series. What you're about to hear is an audio from our virtual event called Preparing Your Business for the Future, held on July 14th, 2021. In this episode, I'll be answering questions from Canadians all across the country and talking about how you can properly plan your business for what's coming in the future. And remember, for additional resources, you can visit bmo.com slash smallbusinessresourcehub. Listen, I was thinking about the title of this show, and I was thinking, but you can't really prepare for the future. And if COVID has taught us anything, it's just not going to happen that way. But I think what we can do today and what the people on this show can help you with is I think we can help you make less mistakes. And if you do think about it, that you're going to make a ton of mistakes building a company, and we're going to help you make less mistakes, that's a real victory. We learned some things in the past year uh, in COVID, and we learned so much about ourselves and the business. I think we probably all learned that we want to hug another human and actually see people now. I think we're all getting a little, you know, I think Friday's the day in Ontario kind of thing. But like we learned some key lessons and going forward. And, you know, before COVID came on, the world was rapidly adopting the cloud and still moving forward in a very um, high tech way. Um, Computer power was still doubling. It was still moving at a very aggressive pace. But when we were slammed at like in that in that period in March with COVID, there were kind of two types of leaders, leaders that reacted and ones that didn't. The ones that won and did really, really well, they actually, you know, really did something that others didn't. And what they did, they were they had the ability to immediately reapply resources. And they also had this propensity to act. So they had the ability to look at the situation, move quickly with a propensity to act. And really the world got split between people that got frozen and the people that actually could do something and acted. So for example, uh, many retailers started just move really quickly to curbside pickup. Um, Stores moved to digital offerings right away. Um, I'll give you an example. I'll call out when I'm not invested in this company, but there was this restaurant chain and uh, two, three uh, family that owns it, a husband and wife called Starving Artist in, in Toronto. And immediately all the restaurants are closed. What are they going to do? Well, they turned around, went to their customer list and said, hey, we're called Kitch Kitchens and we're going to deliver you a menu once a week for family size portions. And now for the past year, we've been ordering family size portions from them. And that business is now bigger than they ever had with those restaurants. Their ability to to move and their propensity to act, save them and turn them around. You know, fitness came online. And I would tell you that if you talk to a lot of trainers now that are training people online, they're like, hey. This is even better. Again, the propensity to act was a big thing. I also think the second thing is that cost centers in all companies were transformed almost forever. And I think that you see this aggressive push to the cloud and automation is not going to slow down at all. Even older school law firms and legal firms have been pushed into this automation and cost centers have been broken everywhere. The way you want to think about it is what did Uber really do when they came into the market? They destroyed the cost center of a dispatcher. The same kind of thing went on with Airbnb. Those were broken. The third thing that I noticed that stepped in over the past year was creative destruction. Creative destruction stepped in and always in a capitalist economy, readjust the economy. So for example, remember we started seeing all these big box retailers or the big ones and like Sears going under and all these retailers that actually kind of interesting when you take Sears, they started in the 1800s, survived World War I, World War II, the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and it was kind of the internet that killed them. And then everybody says, well, what's going to happen with these big empty stores? They're everywhere. What's going to happen? Creative destruction steps in. Those are juicy, juicy places to do pick and pack Amazon type centers. They could be vertical farming centers. 
and they can be data centers. And if you notice right now, you cannot anywhere in major metropolises or even one degree outside a major city in North America find industrial real estate. It is the most pricey real estate in the world because creative destruction steps in and says, hey, what was there doesn't work, but what we're putting in is worth a lot more. I think we also saw an effect, and I think this effect can't be doubled down enough, that really science saved us. It, it, just think about it for a second that once we figured out the, the actual um, DNA uh, uh, of the structure of this uh, COVID uh, disease, um, we were able to actually replicate the response within 72 hours to know how to take it down. It was the six and nine months of testing. That's why the vaccine was delayed and then how to get it out and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there's no time in human history where we ever could have come out with something this fast. It took 10 years usually to make a vaccine. So why is it happening so quickly? Computing power is doubling every 18 months, having in size, and it's the power of mathematics, which is becoming cheaper and better and faster, and the cloud is taking us over. And lastly, the last lesson I think you're going to learn and think you're going to see, and I think we're sitting in this now, and this is a broad conversation happening everywhere, is um, I think the best leaders and the smartest leaders are going to figure out how to balance coming back to the office and not coming back to the office. I think the short answer is, why are you seeing, well, here, why are you seeing such a real estate boom outside Toronto? Well, it's simple because you have a much bigger house for much cheaper and some land and you go for a walk with your kids. It's lovely and it's beautiful to be in Ajax and those kind of places or Hamilton. And by the way, maybe you're going to come in downtown two days a week and you're going to suffer the three hours of traffic, but you don't want to do it five days a week. And I think the best companies will figure out how to adjust. I think there's a lot of push right now in Toronto to I think I saw an article saying, get a backbone, bring your staff back to the path, bring them back to the bank. I don't see that happening. I see the best companies, the most uh, uh, you know, emotionally, intelligently aware companies are going to figure out how to work with their customers. Listen, I, I'm investing in a company that I'm closing next week. I forgot to ask them a question. And the question was, where's your office? And I just realized they don't have one. And I never even thought to ask him that question. Where's your office? Let me come to your office. Let me, <laughs> when we invested in tech companies in the past, we used to turn up, you know, look at the fridge, see if there's uneaten sandwiches or people working, like, you know, what's going on? Now it's, uh, you have an office? That's kind of weird. Why would you do that? So you don't need it, you know? And let me just summarize. The world is still getting dramatically better. I know it seems like this was a really strange hiccup and everything's happening. And sometimes it feels like things are really bad all the time. It's because you're getting hit with a billion times more media because we can just get to you really fast with everything now. I mean, there's many times in human history where we just couldn't reach you. So you just didn't know what was going on. The world is getting dramatically better. Things are getting cheaper, faster and better. Every graph on everything from even vaccination to reading to child mortality it's still moving up to the right. Things are getting better. So sometimes I think we can get stuck in this kind of rut where things seem bad, but it's not. And I'll tell you, and I've said this before on this show, that the only mistake all of us have, and I say mistake in quotations, that we're not born 20 years into the future because the future is dramatically better. Healthcare, and just think about it. Would anybody watching this show right now go to the hospital and want healthcare from today or from 20 years from now? And there's not a single person that won't even take it five years from now because you know that things are getting better. So remember the big picture. Things are getting better. And uh, I'm very optimistic about uh, uh, our future and especially as Canadians. Very inspiring. Wow. A, a lot to unpack there, Michael. Uh, thank you so much. So let, let's get into some tactical questions here. 
What's a good checklist to have in order to ensure a successful startup on a tactical level? What would you tell an entrepreneur? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think the short answer again is there's, there's no such thing. There's nothing that'll ensure your success, but there are things that you can do and you can be to be better. First off, I'm a 20 year overnight success. I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the fastest. I just literally outworked everybody else. That was it. You know what? Go to a gym on January 1st or 2nd. It's full by January 5th. It ain't. And why is that? Because Woody Allen said it, right? 80% is showing up. That's what he said in one of his movies. That's it, right? You got to keep showing up. Showing up is hard to do, hard to do consistently. Um, are you okay with a tremendous amount of emotional um, commitment and arduous commitment? Are you okay putting your relationship online and everything else? It's like going down a tunnel and you think there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, but you just don't know when that light's going to be. It's like going for the Olympics, but you have no clue when the Olympics is. It's very difficult emotionally. And I think you've got to be ready. I will tell you my opinion. Most people should not start a business. Most people should not be entrepreneurs because it's too hard. But I will tell you, if you happen to not be in a relationship and not have kids and not have a mortgage, probably the best time for you to go and do this because you have less to risk and it's time for you to go out there and fail, go out there and make mistakes. It gets harder when you have a mortgage and a minivan and kids. Things just get harder. So earlier, go in there and destroy it. It's okay. Take risks and fail. That's fine. Um, I just want to give you a couple of practical pieces of advice around your business. Um, but let me just ask you all one simple question about your business. Why are you starting this business? Because most people start a business because they got something going cool and they hunt around the room. And you see this on the Dragon's Den all the time. They hunt around the room trying to figure out where their amazing product's going to fit. That's not a good start to a company. It should be because you couldn't get a taxi in France just like Travis did in Uber and he couldn't get it going. So he decided to give one limousine driver, one Blackberry and tested this early thing out called Uber. He did it because he needed to do it. He needed it. So why are you starting this business? And do you need to do this for you? Because you couldn't find a solution. That's number one. Number two, do you have something called a gross margin? It's what you sell it for. You take off the, what it costs you to make, you know, this pen and what's left is your gross margin. If you don't have a fat, juicy, gross profit before your expenses, heating, lighting, employees, and all that, this is a very difficult business to start. Gross margin is a very important concept when you're starting a business. That's why software companies are worth so much because the gross margin are 70 to 90%. And that's why they multiply the top line of the revenue. Um, and lastly, get your product out, iterate, 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 and pivot. And this is what I'm going to guarantee you. Whatever you started with, Facebook, Harvard, hot or not, um, that's not what it's going to turn out to be. By the way, does anybody know what YouTube was when it started? It was a dating site, video dating site, video dating site. You didn't know that. So where you start and where you pivot, you're going to pivot three degrees or 33 degrees or 180 degrees. I don't know, but you're going to pivot. So little something, when I invest in companies, I really look closely at early stage, whether I think you have the ability to take feedback and pivot. So think about all these concepts I'm giving you because it is a tough, arduous path. It can really be worth it. But um, think carefully of how to iterate very quickly on your business. You're listening to Business Unplanned, a business podcast series from BMO. 
Make sure you subscribe for more conversations, learning and insights, or visit our business hub at bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. There you'll find helpful articles and videos for any stage of business, whether you're starting out, expanding, or looking for advice. I recommend the latest content series on crisis planning, which in this current age is more relevant than ever. There's an expansive e-guide that you can download absolutely free with chapters about cash flow crisis or even applying for government grants. And there's four companion workbooks to help you get started. So if you want to see your business one step ahead, visit bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. Okay, let's go on to the next question. How do I find a great advisor or mentor to help me on my journey? Yeah, so I get asked to advise companies a lot. And the first thing I do is I ask them a simple question. Who's your current advisors? And honestly, I, I get on there and there's like a kind of smorgasbord of 27 faces. <laughs> I don't know what's really happening. So first off, you, you have too many cooks in the kitchen. You're not getting advice. You're just getting names and I don't know what. And probably half the time they're right and wrong. So first off, who do you really want to advise you? And would they be willing to even write a check into your business? I really think it's a little bit hard to be an advisor unless they also write a check into the business. Typically, I write a check and then do some advising shares and whatever. I would love to just write a check and never speak to an entrepreneur and just make money, but they usually want to speak to me, which is actually the expensive part. Um, I also think you should pick an advisor who's been there and done that. If they haven't built a company and sold it or done this or been through the process, it's very hard to choose them because you have to understand that it's very hard to throw things at me, for example, that I haven't seen. I can't say, oh, yeah, okay, so this is what I would do. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen it worse, actually. And things happen. You have to have somebody that's actually going to help you make less mistakes. And less mistakes could actually be, this could be the title of this podcast. Make less mistakes. You'll be successful. Probably right. And that's what I try to do. And the other thing is, you know, it's a, when you get someone to give you money and come to your company and work with you, you're in a foxhole. You know what that is? In World War II, they used to dig a hole and two guys used to be in a foxhole and used to sit around there and it's, yeah, I pretty much know that guy pretty good because you could be in there for two days with one guy. So you're in a foxhole, sometimes for five years, sometimes for 10 years. A lot of the time, there's a lot of ups and downs in a business and uh, you can do a whole podcast on the amazing pivots that companies have made and where you think you're counted out and coming back, but you have to be very, very willing to work with this person. And lastly, this is a tricky one. But some advisor that joins you should have the ability to do one thing, and that is vote against their own interest. Vote against their own interest. There's many times where I say, okay, I'm going to take off my investor hat and then tell you what I think you should do. You have to have the ability to take off a hat and, and really vote against your own interest or what's best for their shareholders or best for those founders. And that's something that's a very gray area and hard to do. Because people think, well, I'm an investor. I just want to kind of give them advice based on I want to be in the next round. Sometimes my advice is don't take my money. No, don't take the debt. Or why do you need to do this? Or like sometimes the best advice is you don't need my money. Um, and, and you have to be very honest. So I also would be choosing um, advisors where the outcome of your company won't change their day. So think about that carefully about who you want to be in that foxhole with and how you're going to communicate with them, and do you like them? And let me just tell you, on your gut check, if you don't want to be stuck in an airport with your advisor for four hours, don't work with them. 
Uh, Michael, what, what would you say here? I know you're actually an investor in a company that, that is all about storage and delivery. Um, do you Are you comfortable today investing or being involved in a business that, that is heavily reliant on physical or would you want to see a virtual presence first? Yeah, no, look, I mean, second closet is very physical, right? It's pick and pack and delivery of your goods. I mean, there's, there's a lot of room for those types of businesses. Um, but listen, that doesn't mean there's a lot of your functions that can't be remote and can't come in and can't work remotely. I mean, there's some very beautiful places in Canada to live that are not in a city, and I would be very jealous. Of, I mean, <laughs> there's places in Nova Scotia that are literally God's country. I mean, it's incredible, you know, and, and I would love to live there and, and not have to commute and, 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 and the hours that we're and a bit of a slave. I think the one benefit to COVID, if there's actually a benefit to it, is it actually taught us that maybe we can be out of the core city maybe we can you know have more space and and be more um more open i mean there's something really nice to that maybe maybe we have more time for our families so like in this covid time i've had two more children uh, twins and and you know and look at the time i get to spend even the time with my daughter the first 21 months and uh you know, I think she must think that dad is just always at home. You know, dad doesn't work. Uh, and um, and dad is meant to have stickers in his hair. And I think that that there's a really a nice side to that, right? And I think that that's one of the other problems of people not wanting to go back to the office as much. I mean, I think people are used to getting that work-life balance and being just as productive, quite frankly. Fantastic. And Michael, take us home. I, I just want people to step back and get some perspective on their lives. Um, we just went through something very, very hard. I mean, just to be clear, capitalism in the world we live in in business was never meant to be stopped. It was never meant to be just frozen. And there was never a situation in 2018 or 19 where people said, okay, we're at this board meeting. Uh, I would like a plan if we have to stop all commerce. <laughs> that, 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 it, it, people would say you're crazy, literally throw you out of the room. That, that, and, and there, was no, there was no way you could see this coming. We didn't understand it. We do now. We also got to find out a number of things about the world. We found out what it meant to have a country that may disagree with its politician, but believed in the politicians. Look at the vaccination rates in Canada, right? You know, we don't disagree with our politicians, but we believe them when we believe the science. Those are important things. And countries that tended to believe in their countries have done very, very well, even as hard as it has been. And, um, you know, and, and we're going to go through successive hard times. I mean, I was around in the, in the recession in the 90s when we started. I was in the, uh, the 9-11, 2001.com crisis. I was in the great financial recession in 08, 09, and this COVID one. And they all are very hard to deal with and all had their own flavor. And history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And I'll tell you that um, I'm going to be straight up with you. Yes, there's going to be another crash. Why? Because every 10 years or so, there just is, and I don't know what it's going to be, and it's just going to happen that way. And that's how capitalism works, and it'll be a different reason, and you couldn't have seen it coming. And that's the way these things work. But what I can tell you is if you're resilient, you build a great business, you're not building something to flip or sell tomorrow, you have good, great advisors, you figure out your gross margins, you figure out profit, you make good relationships, you have great customer service. You don't worry about your customers and you take care of your employees first. Those kind of things matter, right? People matter. And I think the one thing, the big thing I think we all agree with sitting all together is that people matter and getting together. I mean, what do you say to your friends right now? I'm desperate for you to come over and have a beer in my backyard. I'm desperate, <laughs> please. You know, and I'm not quite sure because I've had newborns if I can hug my friends, but I want to. And that's because we're human.
And that's what we want to do. We want to get back together. We want to go to dinners. We want to be people again. And there's this new world we're in right now, and it's still a little difficult. And um, I want to tell you, I'm incredibly optimistic. Um, everything that I'm seeing um, is in the right direction. Um, you will have to give the world a bit of perspective that this is, will be an aberration of a few years in our lifetime, a very certain cycle. But years from now, you're going to look back on this and most of the, tra the graphs that you look at will be up to the right. The S&P will be up to the right. Your business will be up to the right. Uh, the world will be have more literacy, more vaccinations, more this, more that, more, less child mortality. Um, and it's an incredible time to be alive. And there's no better time to be alive than the future. Uh, I'm incredibly optimistic. And lastly, um, I think we're still, I just want to just tell you this. And if you haven't thought about this, if you happen to live in Canada, you had me born in Canada, you happen to have a Canadian passport, congrats, you're in the 1%. That's the truth. That's it. That's it. You know, we hit the lottery just by being in this country for all our ups and downs and all our failures and all our great things. We are an incredibly fortunate nation. And if you don't know that, travel the world and you're going to love to come home. Canada's a wonderful place. And uh, we, we did everything wrong and everything right in this and a lot of bickering through COVID. But honestly, we're going to come out ahead and this is going to be much better. And I think we're going to see things like the production of our own vaccines going forward, something we probably should have had before. And I think we're going to be much more ready going forward. I'm actually very optimistic about business. And I think people are learning a lot. And I think people are communicating a lot. And I just want to say that the future is better. And I want to thank everybody for coming today. Thanks for listening to Business Unplanned, a business podcast from BMO. For more information on how you can prepare your business for the future, visit BMO.com slash small business resource hub.